Hello and grand rising, my friends. I wanted to wish you a happy new year, happy 2023. And I'm actually going to share with you the recording of the live forecast that I did for the year of 2023. Now, this was live, so there's a lot of times where I'm just showing the screen, looking at the chart and things like that. So if you do want the replay of the visual so that you can watch it with the visual, just email me or DM me on Instagram to get the link. But if you are listening to the far- the, the podcast and you just want to hear the, po- the forecast and hear the insights that I'm giving on the year of 2023, um, I thought I'd just post it here and so that you can listen to it and maybe remind yourself of you know what happens what happens throughout the year and i also want to use this occasion to give you a reminder that anything that i share astrologically in these forecasts none of it is a prediction you know it's just an interpretation of the types of energies that we're feeling and so how it may be affecting the collective affecting you in your personal life but none of none of it is really meant, meant to be taken as a prediction um because i don't really use astrology for predictions i i just um I just use use it kind of in the same way that we're looking at the weather, right? It's like you're looking at the weather forecast to get an idea of how things are going to be just so that you can plan accordingly if you're planning something in, you know, if you're planning something outside or if you're bringing clothes with you or, you know, you're going to travel, you look at the weather forecast to see what kind of clothing you're going to need. So it's kind of the same idea with, with astrology. Um, so yeah, I'm going to share this with you. This is completely raw and edited. Um, and so enjoy the forecast. You can, you can re-listen to it multiple times. You know, you can listen to it throughout the year as well. Even if we're in June, like it, it's good to reflect back on what happened and then see, um, see how things unfolded. So yeah, enjoy my friends. Have a beautiful year. And if you have any questions, if you're, you know, interested to dive into your own astrology chart, and really get to know yourself, get to know how you can use your own potential to live your best life and manifest the things that you want in life according to who you are and what your what are your inner talents and your life purpose, then then definitely let's chat. I'm your girl for that. <laughs> so yeah, I hope you enjoy this replay of the live forecast of 2023. Hello and welcome everyone. This is the astrology forecast for the year of 2023. I'm Vanessa Sophie. I'm an astrologer and coach. If you don't know me, I help soulpreneurs rise to their ultimate potential by really getting in touch with their unique essence, maximizing their unique gifts and talents by really aligning their life purpose so they can better thrive in their achievements and in their relationships. The way that I do this is I basically hack the code of the universe to help you understand yourself better, come back to your unique essence, so come back to what it is that makes you you, and by being more anchored in yourself and who you are, you're then able to show up more confidently in your life, you can communicate better, you you can set better boundaries, and so this will bring an outcome of leading a better life. And why I say this is because the outcome of your life is literally rooted in your own self-worth and where you're anchored in yourself. So that's where where you're more confident and you're more anchored in yourself, you are then better suited to lead a life of your highest potential. So I, yeah, I've been studying astrology since 2018 and I've studied astrology from many different backgrounds. So in my practice now, I use a mix of Western astrology, Vedic astrology, a little bit of Chinese astrology sometimes, 
and also numerology. So if you know me, I'm just going to give a little bit of a disclaimer that I am a sidereal astrologer. So I use the sidereal zodiac, which is different than most Western astrologers out there. Uh, the sidereal zodiac will follow the actual true position of the night sky, of the planets in the night sky, versus Western astrology use more the seasons. So it's not an accurate representation of what is in the night sky, but that's um, what sidereal astrology is all about. So if you come from the Western background, it's possible that the transits that we'll talk about today might be a bit different than what you know. So to begin, I also, I just wanted to start with giving you an overview of the main dates and the main transits that we'll be talking about today, because we'll mostly be looking at the general overview of the year. So talking about the Mercury retrogrades, there's three happening pretty much like every single year. So the Mercury retrogrades, we have a Venus retrograde as well this year. So Venus will go retrograde every maybe year and a half, two years. And we'll talk about eclipses, obviously, and then we'll talk about outer planets transit. So the outer planets are from Jupiter and on. So Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Yeah. And, and so those are mostly the planets that we'll be focused on um, because they're the ones that take longer to transit through a period of time. Usually in the monthly forecast, I will focus more on the personal planets and the personal planets are the Sun, Mercury, Venus and Mars. I may talk a little bit about Mars today, so I may include Mars a little bit in the transits, but we'll focus mostly on the more and broader transits. So just to give you an overview of the dates that we will be looking at, so if you want to note these down and then we'll go back to that later. Okay. Yeah, so if you want to note these down, and then we'll be going back to that later in more detail. So we have Mercury retrogrades going on from April 21st till May 14th. So April 21st till May 14th, we have a Mercury retrograde in Aries. Then we have another one August 23rd until September 15th in Leo. So August 23rd until September 15th in Leo. And then we have the last Mercury retrograde at the end of the year, December 13th until January 2nd in Sagittarius. So this year, what's interesting is that all Mercury retrogrades are happening in a fire sign. And as you may know, Mercury retrogrades is when the planet of Mercury is going backwards. So that means that, that the energy of Mercury is just, um, it's more potent. It's actually closer to the Earth. So when you actually look at the transit of Mercury, it feels like it's it's going backwards, but it's only, it's only going backwards from the Earth's perspective. It's not actually going backwards. It's just because it's getting closer to it, to the Earth and it's kind of catching up with our speed. And so it does like a little loop in the sky. And so that's why it looks like it's going backwards. So that's why it's felt as if it's going backwards from our perspective. And so that's what happens when a, when a retrograde is happening. So that just means that the, the specific energy from that planet is either 
it feels like it's it's scattered or it's it's um more potent it's kind of like we have to go backwards in that type of energy and mercury being the ruler of communication and the mind and because mercury is the fastest planet too it's the one that we feel the most on a day-to-day -day basis because it's just easy to get the side effects from that so that's why communication is always you know crashing when we have mercury retrogrades and things like that um miscommunication may be happening but generally it's just because it's it's the theme of revisiting communication and ideas and things like that so the fact that it's happening in fire signs this year is really interesting because it feels like not only we, we are revisiting certain topics and you know you may be reconsidering certain things but in fire signs it, it feels like it's you know in fire mercury and fire signs tend to be um tends to be impulsive or quick to act or quick quick to think and now going backwards it's like we have to reassess we have to revisit we have to go backwards so it feels frustrating you know it feels like like um like we're not able to be as fast as, as we would like so we might get frustrated because of that so that's why i find that this energy is going to be interesting during during those retrograde period so following that we have the venus retrograde that is going to be from july 22nd until september 3rd so july 22nd until september 3rd so that's about two months like a month and a half so that's a bit longer um because venus is a bit slower naturally and it happens less often too so venus retrograde um is same idea as, as the retrograde it's, it's revisiting certain things but this time it's on the themes of venus so it's more focused on relationships beauty art things like that and this specific venus retrograde is in the sign of leo and cancer and then after that we have the eclipses so this year the eclipses we have two eclipse season per year, one in the spring and one in the fall. So the first one will be in April and May. The first eclipse will be a solar eclipse on April 19th. And the second one will be in May, on May 5th. It's a lunar eclipse. So the first one, April 19th, solar eclipse, and the second one, May 5th, lunar eclipse. And then the next eclipse season is going to be in October. And we have the solar eclipse on October 14th, and the lunar eclipse on October 28th. And they're usually two weeks apart. So we usually have the solar eclipse and the lunar eclipse about two weeks apart, which is basically like a new moon and a full moon. So you have the solar eclipse, which is like a new moon. So it's like a like a new beginning or something like that. And then the lunar eclipse is a full moon. So it, it's more about letting go and transforming and releasing. Um, that's why I always say that lunar eclipse are more emotional. There's more potent energy on lunar eclipse days than the solar eclipse. You can still feel the solar eclipse energy, but I always find the lunar eclipse is way more potent um, because it's a full moon energy. So it's more energetically charged because of that. 
So that's for the eclipses and then the outer planets. When it comes to the outer planets, we have Saturn moving in Aquarius on January 17th. We have Neptune moving in Pisces on February 18th. Then we have Jupiter moving in Aries on April 21st. And that's it for the outer planets, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I'm just checking my screen here because that's where I have the chart. And if you have any questions, please feel free to type them in the chat box. So I'll be checking questions here. Actually, put this. Okay. Okay, and I also wanted to give you some insights. So as we do this forecast, if you want to get a few tricks on how you can look at how these transits will be affecting you personally, and how to look at this from your own perspective and from your own chart. Um, because mainly everything that I'm going to be sharing today is going to be on a collective level. So it's something that is going to be very similar for everyone in the collective because everyone is going through those same energy transits. But this also affects you personally, and it's going to show up differently for you depending on your own chart. So that's why I recommend that you bring your chart with you so that you have, so that you have an idea on how this is going to affect you personally. The first way to do that is to know which house these transits are going to affect. So if you're completely new to astrology, the houses in your chart or are the areas of life. So if you look at my chart here, the numbers that you see, those are the houses. So they are the same as the signs. So for example, if you take this part here, the number one, this is the, the cancer sign. So all of that part of the chart is in cancer and that's the first house. So everything in the first house is in cancer. Now, the second house is Leo, the third house is Virgo, and so on and so forth. And so if I say, for example, that the, you know, a certain transit is happening in the house of Cancer, then you can look at, okay, Cancer is in the first house. So, so that would mean that this transit is the first house for you. And then to know what area of life this is affecting for you, you can refer back to my astrology guide. If you don't have it, I highly recommend that you download it because um, I explain all the houses in there. And so you can look at what are the topics associated with the first house. So, for example, the first house in this case is the house of self and your body and, and um, your image and your appearance and how you show up to others and how you show up in the world and all of that. So um, that can give you an idea of what might be affected if you had a transit going on in the first house for someone that would be a cancer rising, for example. If it was the fifth house, it would be Scorpio here. Yes. Yeah, it would be Scorpio. So then I could give you some different um, different perspectives. So the first way to know how to track these um, or know how these transits are going to affect you personally is to look at which houses will be affected. And so throughout the forecast, I'll mention, you know, look at which houses this is going to be for you. Um, 
So that's the main thing. The other thing is look if you have any planets that are in these signs. So for example, if I was to say that um, we have a an eclipse, let's say in the sign of Sagittarius, and so you know that this person has sun in Sagittarius, so th this might affect them on a more personal level because they would feel it on their personal sun placement. So someone that would have a sun Sagittarius plus a transit happening on this in the same sign as their sun sign, they would feel it more intensely. Same thing if you had the moon in that sign or even Venus or, you know, depending on what planet you have, you might feel these transits more intensely if you have a planet in your chart in the same sign that this transit is happening. And then if you want to be a little bit more advanced and look at the degrees, so I'll give the degrees at a couple of times in this forecast. Um, if you were to look at the degrees and I was to tell you that the Mercury retrograde is happening between um, 10 and 20 degrees of Aries, well, you could look at your chart and see here, let's say 10 and 20 degrees of Aries. There's not really anything here, so it's not that big of a deal. But if someone had, let's say, their moon between 10 and 20 degrees of Aries, this Mercury retrograde will be affecting their moon more potently. So they would know that you know, their emotions might be affected during that time. So that's just a few examples of how you can see how this affects you personally in your chart. It's a bit more advanced, so if it's too much for you, if it's too complicated, don't worry about it too much. It's just to give a little bit of insights if anyone is interested for that. So to get started, we will start with the month of January. If you've already listened to the forecast of January, we talked about a few of these things already, um, and there's more detail in the January forecast. But for example, I can start with telling you, so we start the year with, we currently have both the Mercury and Mars that are retrograde. And so we start the year, we're still kind of revisiting things. We're still kind of, you know, we still feel slowed down. I talked about this a lot. The Mars retrograde is definitely about slowing down in your actions. Mercury is more slowing down in your mind and revisiting things that are related to your mind. But Mars is all about revisiting things related to your actions. So that's why you may feel like you have less energy. You feel like you're going slower. You feel like, you know, it's, it's hard to get on top of things um, because of that Mars retrograde happening. And so until January 12, when Mars hits direct, um, we're still kind of revisiting a bunch of things. And because right now we're just, you know, stepping into the new year, everyone is kind of, you know, wanting to revisit their goals and getting ready for the new year and, you know, thinking about what is it that you're bringing into this next chapter and all of that. So there's still a lot of that energy for the first two weeks of January, I think, until both the Mars and Mercury retrograde end. That's really when we're going to start feeling like things are moving forward. And in sidereal astrology, we're also still in Sagittarius season. And Sagittarius is a lot more about exploration than it is about getting down to the routines and getting serious about things. So that's why I feel like until we actually hit Capricorn season on the, the 14th, um, we're not really having this energy of like being in, in the new year and being like committed to that, you know? So um so that's what I feel like is happening in, in January. Half of the month was still a lot about revisiting our goals and 
you know, laying the foundations of it. Like that's really how I see the Mars retrograde is really going back, like going backwards and revisiting your actions to be able to lay a better foundation before you actually start moving forward again. So right now is the time to do that until mid-month, until then we really move forward and start 2023 on a fresh start. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to share about January. The other thing too is that Oh yeah, I saw someone talking about the astrology guide. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's a good, uh, a good resource, because um, that's really why I created it. I really wanted like a short, easy place where you know I could refer to for people so that they could refer back to it when they when they study these these practices. Um, so yeah, okay. So January until mid March, uh, mid January of the month, and. So the thing that I wanted to know about that is that once Mars starts moving forward and we move into Capricorn season and all of that, um, we have a good energy from Mars for the first quarter of the year. So Mars and Taurus is going to be really, really strong. I really like Mars and Taurus because it's a consistent pace where we're working hard. And, you know, Mars and Taurus is more focused on labor, like physical type of work. It's really strong when it comes to that. And because Taurus is such a thick sign, it's so consistent. The Mars energy of taking action in Taurus when it's moving forward, it feels, it feels like it's it's hard worker, it's committed, it's strong, it's consistent. So it's a I personally like that placement. And you know, I'm biased because I'm a Taurus, but just Mars and Taurus in general feels like it's a good consistent energy. And so especially if you're someone that works hard, that you have a business or anything like that, that's a good energy to get stuff done, basically. And so from January 12th until March, we have Mar Mars and Taurus that is starting to move forward again. So that's a good energy to really like get a lot of things done. So I highly um, um, you know, I encourage you to plan accordingly for that type of energy because as of March 12th, that's when Mars will move in Gemini. And after that, like Mars in Gemini and then Mars in Cancer, it's not the same type of energy where we're able to work as hard because we work in a different way. So as I said, Mars is a planet of action. So that's why it's mostly focused on, you know, how you take action and how you work and things like that. So Mars and Gemini is a lot more um, distracted all over the place. It has many different focuses at the same time. It's good for mind work. So Mars and Gemini will, will work more from the mind while Taurus will be more physical in the way that it works. But just in general, Mars and Gemini, like if you think of Gemini being twins, um, Gemini is a sign that is very versatile and likes change and variety, but it's also not really focused on anything in particular. It's like all over the place and jumping from one thing to the next. And so having Mars in that energy, it's going to feel like it's a little bit more um, scattered, more than in Taurus. So that's why I say, I say focus on the Mars and Taurus energy that we have for January and February up until you know mid-March, mid-Mars, um, as we have good energy from that before we actually, you know, we'll feel less of that consistent pace for um, for a little while after that. 
So just wanted to give a reframe on this Mars energy and yeah. After that, on January 17th, that's when we have Saturn moving in Aquarius. So Saturn will spend two, two and a half year and one sign. And so now it's in Capricorn. It's just at the end of Capricorn, just transitioning into Aquarius. And it has been in Capricorn for the past two years. And so Saturn in Capricorn has been very strict, very authoritative. Um, that's where we've seen a lot of, you know, the leadership authority is really gaining a lot of uh, restrictions. It comes from that Saturn and Capricorn energy that we have over the past two years. And now moving into Aquarius, it's still, you know, Saturn is still in its own, own sign in Aquarius, but it's a different type of, of structure because Saturn in Aquarius is more focused on the greater good, the greater good for the collective. Um, and yeah, it's more collective oriented or group oriented, like the visionary part of Aquarius um, than Capricorn. And so we're moving into the Sagittarius era for the next, or sorry, we're moving into the Saturn and Aquarius era for the next two years until 2025. And so that means that it's a whole new chapter. And for you personally, I don't really go too much into what the energy of that specific transit is going to be about for the collective. Because um, I find outer planets in signs is a lot more harder to interpret because it's such a longer transit. But for someone specifically, I would encourage you to see where Aquarius is in your chart. You know, what house does that fall into? And so that's where you can see that Saturn will bring teaching lessons, restrictions and boundaries, and responsibilities. So Saturn is really the planet that is going to teach you things. It's like it's like the father that is coming around to, you know, be the structure as a family, be the leader of the family, and and um, yeah, just bring structure and responsibilities, basically. And so that's why, you know, we say that when people go through their Saturn return, they basically have a, it's like adulthood is is kicking in, and now you have to, you know, take responsibilities and, and be a real adult, and so where Saturn is is shifting into and your chart, this is going to be the area of life that is that you're going to need to take responsibility for and just learn learn lessons. The other thing too is that this is so as this is a new Saturn chapter for people who have naturally Saturn Aquarius in their natal chart, this will be a Saturn return for you. And so it's about people that are born in between 1993 and 1996, that this is the Saturn return for. And so the Saturn return is really when Saturn comes back to the position that it was at the moment of birth. And that's why it's just here to do a 28-year cycle check-in, basically. So that's why around the age of 28, 29, 30, that's usually when a lot of people go through their identity crisis or, you know, chin, like, coming into adulthood and maybe if you've experienced that you can share how this has been for you if you remember you know going through and and like reality check in in and coming into adulthood around the age of 28 29 um because that's usually what Saturn brings and so it's just like challenging you to be like okay now it's time to get serious about this and 
depending on what area of life it's going to impact specifically in your chart you're going to see this um being probably the main focus or being the main lessons that you're learning during this two-year period so from january 17th we have started moving in aquarius and it will be in aquarius for the next two years until 2025 so it's a whole a whole new chapter basically and then in the month of february the month of february what i find interesting there's not that many things happening we have neptune moving in pisces on the 18th but actually i can show you the chart here So in January, we were just talking about, okay, so Saturn moving into Aquarius now. And then in February, so in February, Neptune will be moving in Pisces on the 18th. And the first half of the month, there's not really that much happening in the month of February. Nothing, nothing um, for the long term, anyway. But the main thing that I noticed is that we have a lot of Pisces vibes in February, and mostly because not just Neptune, which is the planet of spirituality, idealism, creativity, and illusions moving into its own sign of Pisces, it definitely amplifies that energy of being very idealistic. And it can it can bring a lot of spirituality. And the thing about Neptune too is that Neptune will spend <coughs> excuse me. Um Neptune will stay in the same sign for seven years. And so it's not something that will be felt on a daily basis. It's more something that is felt more on a generational level. And so it feels like the, the next couple of years, the next seven years, basically, will be a lot more focused on developing your faith, spirituality, but also um, a creativity, idealism, and maybe leaning more towards um, charitable perspectives because there's a there's a charitable perspective when it comes to Pisces and Neptune it brings a certain collective consciousness it's, it's different than Aquarius Pisces is more Pisces has more more of a of a monk energy and so that's where Neptune moving into that yes it can bring on a certain place on a in, in a certain way it can bring more idealism and illusions so that's something that that we need to be aware of but on the good side of that is bringing more help with each other in charity and spiritual work where we really come together um with love and compassion and kindness so that's really the energy that we get from pisces and so that's for the next seven years that this energy is going to be in the background but on top of that why i say that it's going to be really strong in february is because in the sign of pisces if you currently see in the chart this is on february 20th 
Jupiter has been in Pisces already since April of last year. So we've already had an expansion of all of that when Jupiter entered. And Jupiter is actually at home in Pisces because it co-rules co Pisces with Neptune. And so the energy in February is going to be really strong. And on top of that, we also have Venus transitioning through Pisces. And Venus is exalted in Pisces. So that means that it's really strong. It means that it's really powerful. And it's at, at its happiest place when it's in Pisces. Because if you think of Venus being such a feminine planet focused on love and relationships in the sign of Pisces that is just really sweet and kind and compassionate, it's a very feminine energy. And so we have all of those all of those energies being amplified with these three planets that are really, really strong in Pisces. So yeah, it feels like the month of February just has a strong Venusian, a mix of Venusian and, and Piscean energy to it. And so I would say that it's a, on the good side, it would be good for anything art, anything creative, anything that you would have good inspiration during that time, good fortune in relationships, especially with Venus and Jupiter together. Venus and Jupiter are actually the two most positive planets you can have, and they're both really strong in Pisces. So that's a good, it's a good abundant energy as well. Uh, so very feminine, very good for art and anything like that. Although the challenging side is that it can be um, more idealistic more trapped in illusions. It's easy to put people on a pedestal, for example. So those are just things to be aware of. And also there's more sensitivity to all of that, more compassion, and which can be it can be good and bad depending on, on how you decide to use it or how you deal with that, because too much sensitivity can be um, detrimental as well. So it depends on how you use it, but there's definitely more sensitive energy to that. So yeah, and what's interesting too is that Pisces is actually, so Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac, right? So we always say that Pisces is often the old soul, the wise, um, like, the, like the wise sage or the wise um, monk, you know, it has, it has a wisdom to that. And in numerology, uh, February is actually a nine month. And the number nine is the last of the digits number, just like Pisces is the last of the sign in the zodiac. And the nine is also the number of wisdom. So there's definitely lots of wisdom and spirituality and um, service to others, service to the collective and service to the greater good. In so, similarly to the charitable work that we were talking about from Pisces. So yeah, the whole month of February has this really big spiritual energy uh, with all of those themes coming together. And then following that, we are transitioning into the month of March. And as I mentioned before, in March, we have Mars moving in Gemini on the 12th. And so we talked about this a little bit already. Mars and Gemini will be really good for mind work. It feels like you're able to be really quick with your mind during that time. Um, although the thing that is more challenging with Mars and Gemini is that it's easier to be more 
restless, scattered, um, have have trouble with keeping attention to something. It's not necessarily fixed. It's not necessarily consistent. It likes variety and change, which is really good because you can then adapt these things. You can go from one direction to the other very easily, but it's harder to stay focused on, on something because of that. And so it's easy to lose interest too. So if there's anything that you need to do throughout the year that requires more consistent work, then you can focus on that when Mars is more in Taurus, so before the end of uh, month of March. But in in March until uh, yeah, even May until until July, I think we have there's not really any strong Mars energy until July. So from Mars until July. Um, the energy of Mars is a little bit weaker. So it might be harder to be consistent with things. And that depends on other transits and it depends on your personal chart. Um, but just on a collective level, those energies are more harder to work through, work through things on the long term. Anything that is being initiated during the time during this time from March, uh, sorry, January 12 until March 12. So from the portion where Mars is direct in Taurus, might be a good time to start something new because anything that you start is imprinted with the chart of that time. So if you start something, like if you start a business, if you start a project, if you start anything new, it would be imprinted with this energy. It's like when you were born, you were imprinted with the energy of the planets, it creates your own birth chart, but you can also create a birth chart for anything in life. That's where people look at when they should get married because you can get a chart for your marriage, um, for your business. You can get a chart for your business depending on when you launch it. You can get a chart for your, you know, a specific project, a specific launch. Um, you know, for me, like I created a chart for my podcast when I launched my podcast. So being strategic with these kind of things can help you with that. So if you have a project that you're thinking of launching and you want it to be a strong, consistent paced energy, then you could launch it when Mars is in Taurus and that would help with that. And so then moving into April, I'm just gonna take a sip of water. So moving into April, What's interesting is that it feels like April is really the month where there's a true new chapter, new beginning transformation. And for multiple reasons, but the main reason is that that's actually when we have the true astrology new year. So we have the calendar new year in January, but we have the astrology new year when the sun transits into Aries. And because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, it's the initiation. And so Aries, uh, sorry, the sun doesn't move into Aries in sidereal astrology until April 14th. And so that's when the true astronomical new year will start. And that's when we actually feel the start of the new chapter. And on top of that, you may notice right before we move into Aries season, which is the start of the new year, we have a time period right before 
a planet moves from a water sign to a sun sign that we call Gedanta. It comes from Vedic astrology. And it's basically, yeah, it's, it's a planet moving from a water sign to a fire sign. And I was just talking with a friend recently and she was saying how when you mix water and fire together, you get steam. And so it's really intense. It's really potent, you know, and it can, it can burn you almost more than, than fire itself. So you really have to be careful with that type of energy. So there's always a crunch period before we move into an, in a fire season. You may have felt it when we moved from Sagittarius to Scorpio a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, Scorpio, from Scorpio to Sagittarius, where it's just really intense during that time because we're moving from that contrast energy. And so I feel like end of March, beginning of April, especially, we might feel that, that type of crunch when we move from Pisces season to Aries. And so if we look at it from the chart, yeah, so see here, we have that energy in Pisces and then the sun will move in the Aries on April 14th. So, and on top of that, we have to start the eclipses right after we have a Mercury retrograde and then Jupiter will move in Pisces and in Aries as well. All of that in, in the month of April. So there's lots of energy moving from um, Pisces to Aries. In Aries, which is the most fiery sign you can get, um, being the start of everything, the initiation of everything. And I always describe Aries as being the explosion of something. Aries is like, it's really strong at the beginning, but then it settles and it kind of, you know, it moves on. Um, while the other fire signs are just a little bit different in the, the way that they express their fire energy. And so, yeah, it feels like there's this really intense fire energy in April where we are starting strong. So it feels like the month of April is just really intense. Um, so the next day we have, or sorry, on April 19th, we have the first solar eclipse, so the first eclipse of the year that is happening at five degrees of Aries. So again, as I mentioned before, you can look if you have any planets around five degrees of Aries. I would say look within five degrees-ish. So for example, if you had something at zero degrees of Aries or between zero and 10 degrees. So if you were to look at this chart here, you have the sun at three degrees, you have the north node at nine degrees. So these, you know, if this was someone's birth chart, they would be affected by the eclipse. And so, yeah, having the first eclipse on the 19th, this is the start of the start of a new chapter of transformation. Usually the way that I explain, um, usually the way that I explain eclipse season is a, a period of transition and it's karmic alignment basically because their nodes are involved usually so what happens in an eclipse if we take actually i'll share i'll share the chart of the eclipse itself that's funny Uh, 
sorry. Okay, now if you look at the eclipse itself, why this is a karmic energy is because the lunation, which is basically a new moon in this case, is conjunct the nodes. So it's close enough to the nodes that this lunation has the impact from the nodes. And the nodes are karmic alignment, karmic energy. So, Basically, this is a new moon, a new beginning with the nodes being involved. So it just means that it's a, a transition into a different chapter coming with an, a, a, a karmic energy, a karmic alignment. And so that's why there's strong transformation happening in eclipse season. And oftentimes we see new beginnings and endings happening during this time. So knowing which area of your life is affected by that so knowing which house this lunation or this um these eclipses are going to fall into is good awareness for you to know what is transforming in your life and the nodes will spend about 18 months in the same axis because we have the south node and north node so we have north node here in aries and then south node in libra and so it's been in the axis of aries and libra since march of 2021 okay. March of 2022, and it's an 18-month cycle. So throughout this 18 month, you may have felt like there was things transforming in your life in the houses affected by Aries and Libra. And so there is just transformation happening during this time. A lot of people I hear um, relationships, beginnings or endings, um, moving, new career phases and things like that are often common things that I hear around eclipse season because it brings this transformation. And transformation is just realignment, right? If there's anything that is no longer working in your life that you need to let go of, then you need to transform, the eclipses just allow for these things to happen. And so this first eclipse is in Aries at five degrees, as I mentioned before. And so just all of this energy mixed together in the sun of Aries is just really good for starting new things, um, starting a new chapter. It feels like there's strong new beginnings and also taking action because Aries is definitely a go-getter. Aries will take action on something before it really thinks about it. <laughs> and so, yeah, just with everything that is going on, I feel like there's just lots of new initiation and new energy going on. Just give me a sec. Okay, so that's the eclipse on April 19th. On April 21st, we have the first Mercury retrograde. So this one is going to be in the sign of Aries. And this Mercury retrograde is going to be in between 21 and 11 degrees of Aries. So if you have any planets that are in between those degrees in Aries, or even close to that, 
they could get involved in that Mercury retrograde. And then again, you can look at where Aries is in your chart. I would think that whatever house is associated with Aries for you, it might be a big transformation and just a big, um, a big area of focus in, especially in the second half of the year. So that could be something for you to be aware of and just notice, maybe make a note for yourself to notice what kind of themes are coming up in April that can give you an insights on what needs to be refocused. Because during this Mercury retrograde in Aries, it's going to give you some insights for that. And then on top of that, Jupiter is just moving in Aries and will be there for the next year. So it can give you an insights on, you know, what type of things and opportunities you want to get out of with Jupiter in Aries. Because Jupiter is the planet of growth and expansion and good luck and, and good fortune and opportunities. So yeah, I can give you some insights on what you can cultivate from that Jupiter in Aries and how you want to use that for yourself. So pay attention as to what kind of themes are coming up in April that is related to the house ruled by Aries in your chart. And also just in general, um, Mercury and Aries naturally will be very quick, very direct, especially when it comes to making decisions with your mind, the way that you think. You get to the point very straight up and very direct. It can be very fast and impulsive. Um, and so for that to be retrograde, it might, like, that's where I mentioned that, you know, it might feel, um, like you're frustrated like you're impatient and all of that, because it just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's going as fast as you would want it to. And because of that, um, can lead into like rushing into decisions or having poor planning because you're more focused on taking action on something rather than planning for it. So that's where um, Mercury retrograde in Aries can bring a little bit of, I don't know, hiccups. <laughs> and then yeah, on the same day on April 21st, so actually I'll, share here. So yeah, around April 21st, that's when Jupiter moves in Aries and will be there for the next year. So it will be there until April of next year, I believe. So yeah, so Jupiter in Aries, a full year of growth and expansion in the sign of Aries, as I talked about before. And just that by itself, Jupiter would amplify the themes related with Aries. So it may feel like during this time, um, leadership is getting stronger on a personal level. Could be like, look at where your leadership is getting stronger in your personal life. Um, definitely brings for big ideas and like, like big, a big vision type of thing, I would say. Jupiter has, you know, Jupiter is the planet of um, gurus and teachers and things like that. 
and the sign of Aries is like you have big ideas for um for your vision and where you want to go and your 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 exploration of the world and it's almost you know it could be almost unrealistic um because of that because Jupiter can just you know expand everything to the point where you don't you lose track of it so yeah so Jupiter and Aries can definitely bring um big ideas and things like that so it can be a good thing for you know expanding your vision um but also it's important to know the balance and come back to you know does this actually make sense but yeah, definitely a very intense energy for the next year. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. If you want to think back on your personal life, you can look at what happened in the year of 2011, 2012, because that's the last time that Jupiter was in Aries from May 2011 from till May 2012. So maybe you can think back to see if you had any themes that were coming up during that time. Um, that could be coming coming back around so it can be give you an, an, an any insights on the type of energy that might be coming back next to that we have the next lunar eclipse on may 12th so from April 19 until May, oh, sorry, May 5th, from April 19 until May 5th, we will have eclipse season. And then the lunar eclipse happens on May 5th. And this one is at 20 degrees of Libra. It's a partial eclipse, so it's not necessarily a really strong one because it's pretty far from the nodes but it's still it's still a lunar, a lunar eclipse and as i always mentioned the lunar eclipse is a lot more potent than the solar eclipse and personally i like to make sure that i can take some time off when there's a solar eclipse um i make sure that i have space to just breathe and relax um because oftentimes there's like if the energy is really strong and you're and you're very sensitive to that, you can have like headaches or things like that. I hear a lot of people that have trouble sleep sleeping or just like pain in their in their bodies, um, and things like that. So on the day of the eclipse, personally, I just always like to make sure that I have time and space to relax. And so if that's something you wanted to do, you can know ahead that on May fifth, this is going to be a day like this. And for that. Because it's a full moon happening in, so if I go look at the chart here. So on May 5th, because at this time, it's basically a full moon in between uh, the moon, yeah, the, the moon in Libra and the sun in Aries, it's like a challenge between between Aries and Libra. And that's the theme that we've been going to over the past 18 months or the past 12 months-ish is kind of finding the balance between ourselves and our relationships. Um, 
it seems like there's been a lot more focus in putting ourselves our, ourselves first rather than being too overly focused on relationships in the sense that you're people pleasing or you're letting your boundaries stepped on and things like that and so that's a you know it's been a great time during this during this transition with the nodes and ears in Libra to find the balance between the two and to find yourself more on an individual level rather than through your relationships so there's been a lot of and things of relationships, if you've been following me for a while, I've been talking about this for a little while, that there's been endings of relationships or letting go of relationships, even not just romantic, but also friendships or things like that, that are no longer aligned because there needs to be more focus placed on the self as the North Node is in Aries, which is a lot more individual. And so there's a balance that needs to be found between the two. And so this eclipse is a continuation of that energy. But there's also, if you see in the chart here, the sun is very close to Uranus. And Uranus is the planet of chaos and, and freedom and looking for things to be different. So I feel like this eclipse can also bring a different perspective. It'll just bring a different type of energy and something that you haven't seen before and what you want to um, step away from just a routine and look at things from a different perspective and could definitely be me um, could definitely be being more focused on the self rather than rather than relationships and yeah So that's the lunar eclipse on May 5th. After that, on May 12th, uh, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying the 12th. <laughs> on May 10th, Mars moves in Cancer. And as I mentioned before, Mars is a planet of action. And in Cancer, it's not at its most powerful because it's debilitated in cancer. So that means that it's in a sign where it doesn't have a lot of power. Mars naturally is very go-getter, very impulsive, and it does really well in Capricorn, which is opposite to cancer. So Mars is really happy in Capricorn. It does really well in Capricorn. It's a hard worker and it likes to get stuff done, which is great. But in Cancer, it's opposite to that. Cancer is a lot more of a water energy. It's flowy. It's emotion-based. So Mars is not really doing well in that type of energy. So it might be harder to make decisions or move towards something. You can feel like maybe you're you're acting more from an emotional place than anything because of that of that flow of energy. So Mars moves in Cancer on May 10th, and it will be there until June 20th, uh, June 30th. And it will be there until June 30th. And then on May 14th, Mercury will station direct. So remember when I said, Mercury would go retrograde on April 21st. 
So it will be from April 21st until May 14th in Aries. And then if we look at June, so Mars is moving in Leo as of June 30th. And so Mars and Leo is definitely doing a lot better. It's a fixed sign. So I like Mars and Leo because it takes action from a place of high standard and wanting to do things well. And um, yeah, having like big extravagant plans, but carrying them through because Leo is fixed. Um, it needs, so a fixed sign needs time to take action on something because once it's committed to something, it, it's actually able to carry it through. So Mars and Leo doesn't necessarily want to waste the time, its time on doing something that is not worth it. But once it does decide that it wants to do something and that it is worth it, it will go above and beyond. <laughs> Because that's the Leo energy. It's like, you know, Leo by itself can be very lazy if it's not interested in something. Um, if you think of a lion, like a lion, you know, if it's resting, like it can be really lazy and lie, lie in the sun all day. But if you, if it's threatened, watch out because it's coming at you. <laughs> and so that's the Mars and Leo energy where, you know, it can be really lazy. If it's not interested in something, I'm just going to lie here in the sun and not do anything. But once I set, I'm set on something, like nothing can, nothing can come in the way and I can, you know, go on about this and uh, watch out because it's coming at you. <laughs> and actually, I'm just going to mention this for anyone who would be interested. I don't personally look at that that much, but we have the outer planets going retrograde. So typically from spring until the fall-ish, we have all the, all the outer planets that go retrograde. And so that's what we call retrograde season, which is usually this time of year where we have to, you know, it feels like from like end of spring until, you know, fall, it's kind of like re revisiting certain things, we're reevaluating certain things, but like on the background, it's not something that's felt more on a personal level. Um, that's from the outer planets going retrograde. And so I'm not gonna do any description for each of them individually, but if you wanna write them down for yourself. So Pluto will be going retrograde on May 1st at six degrees of Capricorn. Saturn will be going retrograde on June 17th at 13 degrees of Aquarius. Neptune will be going retrograde on June 30th at three degrees of Pisces. And Uranus will be going retrograde on August 28th at 28 degrees of Aries. And so that's another place where you can look if you have any planets around those degrees that I just mentioned to see if anything is going to impact your personal planets personally. <clears throat> so I was just in June 
And actually, I wanted to take the time to just do a mini pause and quick announcement because you guys are going to be the first to know about this. Um, I haven't even formally launched anything yet, but I will be doing a workshop on January 19th. I haven't even picked a time yet, um, <laughs> but I will be doing a workshop on January 19th on finding your own unique essence through astrology. And um, you guys are the first to know, we will basically be going through um, your personal life, your personal chart. So I'll be, I'll be teaching you how to read your personal chart and especially your numerology. We'll dive a little bit more into numerology and your life request according to numerology and then see how that manifests in your personal life. And we'll do a couple of exercises on you know what kind of intentions you want to bring in 2023 knowing these talents and gifts that you are that you have naturally and how you can bring this into the world in the, in the next year or just in your life in general um but yeah so i'll be hosting a workshop about this the workshop is going to be uh 33 but for early birds it's going to be 22 dollars. so as i mentioned um the details are not on the website yet but i still included the link in the chat box if you want to check it out and you're interested in that workshop i know it's going to be a really a really fun one and i really want to bring a lot of value to people for you to be able to learn how to read your own chart and how to find your own talents your natural talents your natural um life purpose and why why is it that you are here and what is it that you have to bring to the world to be able to come back to your to your unique essence and bring that into the world. So that's my mini announcement. Now, if we come back to the forecast, we are now in July. And in July is when we have the Venus retrograde uh, starting on July 22nd. And so we will have the Venus retrograde starting at four degrees of Leo. It will move back in Cancer. So it will retrograde back in Cancer on August 7th. And then until September 3rd, it's going to be retrograde in Cancer. So I talked about this a little bit before. So Venus retrograde is when you're going to be revisiting themes related to Venus. So mostly relationships, beauty, art, money as well uh, is ruled by Venus. And so revisiting all those things. So it's definitely a time, you know, uh, July, August, I think we're going to be specifically focused on relationships. That seems to be, that seems to be the biggest theme impacted by Venus, relationships and money. Um, during that time, personally, if you were really superstitious, I would say maybe you don't want to like get a haircut or like do a revamp of your of your personal style during that time. Um, because the planet of Venus ruling beauty and all of that going backwards it might not be like it's kind of like when they say um, be careful about what you sign during a Mercury retrograde because there can be miscommunication in that. Well, it's kind of saying the same thing for a Venus retrograde. Like, don't necessarily get a haircut because you might not like it, you know, or it might be just an spur of the moment, but then 
you end up regretting it or something like that. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but in general, I think that the Venus retrograde is just really about revisiting your intentions and relationships and really revisiting what, where do you want to take your current relationships and um, how you want to, yeah, how you want to move forward with that, which, which relationships do you want to keep, which ones do you want to let go of, um, and just getting clarity when it comes to that. Also, starting a new relationship, so starting dating someone new during that time might be um, not that it's challenging. Starting to date someone new during a Mercury retrograde, it would be better to wait until the retrograde is over before making a decision about that specific relationship or before committing to that relationship because there might be things that you're missing, things that you're not seeing during this time. You know, like the 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 honeymoon phase that you have when you first start to see someone where you definitely would be um, taken in that or not seeing the full picture when we're in a Venus retrograde. So that's why it's good to wait until after the retrograde before seeing anything. Um, if you are currently in a relationship, you know, people get scared that there might be challenges coming up in relationships during a Venus retrograde. Um, it's just about revisiting certain things. Maybe there's things that you need to talk about. Maybe there's things that you need to put on the table and just really look at it together. So again, it's just going back to um, going back to what is it that works and what doesn't. So that's for the Venus retrograde from the 22nd until July 22nd until September 3rd. And after that, we have Mars in Virgo on August 18th. So Mars in Virgo is, I actually kind of like Mars in Virgo. It's very detail-oriented. Um, it's good with plans. It's good with strategy. It's good with analyzing things. So yeah, this whole Mars in Virgo would definitely be good for any projects again that require the mind, the mind, or analyzing things, even writing could be good for that. And then August 23rd is our second Mercury retrograde of the year. And so August 23rd until September 15th. So what's interesting here is that end of August, we're going to have the Mercury and Venus retrograde together. So that's when the end, end of August, you know, might be a lot of things that are coming up to the surface, a lot of things to reconsider. We also have Uranus stationing retrograde on the 28th. So lots of things that are, that are kind of being challenged or that are kind of being um, redirected around this time, or just, just that you're questioning. So yeah, just make a note of that for end of August. And, okay, so I was talking about Mercury retrograde from August 23rd, excuse me, and this one is in the sign of Leo. So again, you can look at where Leo would be in your chart to see where specifically that Mercury retrograde would be 
affecting you. So what you can do actually for this year is to look at each of the fire signs in your chart and see what areas of life would be impacted. And so you can see where these Mercury retrograde are, are going to hit specifically when they do hit. So Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. This is where we're going to have the Mercury retrogrades in, you said April, August, and December. So in August, that's when we have the second Mercury retrograde. And then September 3rd. So August 28th, Uranus stations direct. September 3rd, Venus stations direct. So Venus is now moving forward again. Um, and then September 15th, Mercury stations, stations direct as well. So it feels good after September seventh. Uh, after September fifteenth, it's like okay, now we're now we're good. Now we can, you know, make decisions and move forward again. So there's a little bit of a relief after that. And then in the month of October, on October third, Mars moves in Libra. The thing with Mars and Libra. So Mars is at home when it's in. Aries and Scorpio, but Mars is at home when it's in Pisces, uh, sorry, Mars is at home when it's in Aries, and so when it's in Libra, it's in the opposite energy of Aries. So I haven't updated the chart here. So June, <clears throat> July 15th, July 7th, August. Okay, so we have all of that in Leo. August 26th. September, and okay, I was going into October. So let's see here. So now in October, so we have Mars that just moved in Libra. And okay, so you can see Mars is naturally at home in, in Aries. So we had a lot of really strong Aries energy at in the month of April. And now Mars moving in Libra, where that's challenging is because Mars is typically the planet that wants to move forward really fast. You know, it's really impulsive, it's really on the spot, it's really a go-getter, like taking action, you know, like don't want to think about it, just just go for it. And Libra is kind of the opposite to that because, well. Aries is a lot focused on the self and it's very good at initiating things. Libra is all about balance and questioning and, you know, wanting to find the harmony in between two, th two things. And so Mars is not really good with that type of energy. It's kind of like, you know, I've, I've heard someone using the metaphor before of wanting to play football in a, uh, <laughs> wanting to play football in a art museum. It's like you want to throw the ball around and you want to move really fast, but then there's like a bunch of really beautiful things around and you can't really, like you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to be aware of everything. 
So it's very delicate. You have to be really strategic about it. And Mars doesn't like that. You know, it just wants to play football and throw the ball. So <laughs> it feels like it's really challenging. And so Mars and Libra, that's the type of energy that we're seeing where it's just, it's hard to move forward on something because you're evaluating everything from left and right. And you want to find a balance and you want to make sure that you make the right choice, but it's hard to actually make a decision and move forward with that. So that's where October might be slower in that sense when you can't actually put your mind to something because you're just evaluating perspective. So it's really good for balance and um, finding diplomacy and in, in things or just being a, being a diplomat. But um, in general, yeah, taking action, moving forward, making decisions in October, it's it's a bit it's a bit scattered because of that. And either way, we have the eclipse season around that time as well. So there's definitely lots of energy shifting again. And so, yeah, it seems like October just would be a challenging time to move forward with something or make a big decision about something. And so the eclipses will be October 14th, uh, solar eclipse. So the first one is the solar eclipse. And on the 14th, this year. So while at that time, the nodes, so the North Node and South Node are still very much in the axis or they're still in the axis of Aries and Libra. As you can, uh, as you can see on the chart, they're still at zero degrees of Libra and Aries. So it's just finishing up that chapter. That moon or that new moon is actually going to be in Virgo. So there is a mix of the Virgo and Libra energy for that eclipse. And so I would look at both in your chart and where that's being affected, but it's kind of the start of transitioning into that next cycle of focusing more on uh, Pisces and Virgo. So in November, we're actually switching, the nodes are switching from Aries and Libra to Pisces and Virgo. And so that's the first step into that new, that new transformational chapter. And so, yeah, the solar eclipse on October 14th. And I can put the chart for that as well. Yeah, this one. Yeah, so you'll see here all of that energy. Yeah, it's it's very, I would say the Virgo energy is really strong for that one. It could be a very mental eclipse. Like it's very focused on the mind. It's very focused on your ideas, but definitely on an, being analytical of things and almost critical at the same time. Um, so it would be good for you to explore judgment, um, like having good judgment or good thinking or certain things, balancing things out. Um, 
just be aware of not getting caught into overthinking or overanalyzing and being hard on yourself and things like that. Um, but yeah, so that's that solar eclipse. And then the lunar eclipse is on October, October 28th in, in Aries. Yeah, that's the one that's going to be in Aries. Sorry, just a sec. This one here is that eclipse on October 28th. We have the Sun in Libra with Mercury and Mars. So we still have a lot of Libra energy with that moon being in Aries. And actually the moon is not far from Jupiter as well. So we have a, a really strong amplified um, energy from this. It's another, it's another lunar eclipse that feels quite intense because there's lots of Aries energy. So it's really intense. It's really um, just the moon in Aries naturally can be very um, impulsive, almost aggressive. You know, if it's not satisfied, if things are not going fast enough, you can be a little bit aggressive. Like you're like you're feeling frustrated. You're feeling aggressive, um, just because it's really intense. And yeah, so that lunar eclipse might bring those feeling of frustration or things like that. Um, but really, again, it's and and with this. Libra energy is just again finding the balance between um like finding harmony in things and like your desire of going too fast or, or things not going fast enough and as we talked about like from the Jupiter and Aries it's like this ideas of grandeur like just wanting big things to happen strong leadership and taking action onto certain things um yeah, that could be like where where it needs to reevaluate things. And with Mars being in Libra, it's like, okay, now it's a time to look at your environment and just evaluate everything before you make a move. And as we're wrapping up this Aries energy too, I wonder if there's not a theme of individuality and focus on the self coming to the surface as well because naturally the thing with the nodes is that in western astrology they say that the nodes are like the karmic nodes and it's like your soul path and something like that but in vedic astrology the nodes are seen very differently where it's perceived as a malefic so it means that it's a more negative energy and the secret is to find a balance between the two because the south node is what you are stepping away from and the north node is what you are leaning towards. And what I see, see it as is that the north node is kind of where you're being called upon, but the south node is where you're too comfortable that you could get lazy. And so that's where you need to go in the opposite direction. But at the same time, if you go too much in the opposite direction, you can then you can end up in, in addiction. So it's either, you know, the two extremes are addiction and depression. If you stay stuck, if you stay lazy in your south node, 
that's where you fall in depression. If you stay stuck too much in the North Node, that's where you fall in, in addiction. So that's where there needs to be a balance between the two found. And so as we're wrapping up this chapter of Aries and Libra, transitioning into Pisces and Virgo, Aries is very much focused on the self. Libra is focused on relationships. And so I feel like wrapping this up with these eclipses, it could be, um, you know, because it's the North Node that is currently on Aries, if you're too focused on the self, then it can become too much where it's egoistic, where you're trapped in, you know, thinking only about yourself and letting go of your relationships. But then at the same time, if you're stuck in focusing in relationships too much, then you fall into people pleasing and then it's detrimental to yourself and your health. So that's where there's a balance that needs to be found in between, in between the two. And that's where these eclipses can bring challenges into that for you to know, are you too much in the North node or in the South node? And so this chapter is kind of wrapping up. And so that's where you can pay attention if there's any, um, any big themes that are coming up in regards to these, to these type of topics. And again, look at where, what area of life would be impacted by these specific houses for you personally. Okay, we are just finishing up with two months left. So we have in November, we have, uh, yeah, okay. In November, Mars moving in Scorpio. So Mars is at home in Scorpio. Um, so it's just a, you know, a fixed sign, good energy to move forward, um, getting attached to something. Mars in Scorpio can get almost obsessed with something. Um, so it's a, it's a good intense energy to focus on something, um, but just can be overly attached at the same time. So that's just um, the downside of that. But Mars and Scorpio um, is a fixed type of intense energy. And yeah, really committed, really, really committed to something. And at the end of November, that's when the nodes officially switch into Pisces and Virgo. So the North node will be in Pisces. I'll show you on the chart here. No, wait, that's not that one. October, November. So end of November, we have the nodes switching here in Pisces and Virgo. The nodes move, the nodes move backwards. By the way, if you didn't know, so that's why it starts at 29 degrees and then it moves backwards. So it moves the opposite direction than the other planets. And so, yeah, so it moves in Pisces at 29 degrees at the end of November. And so having the North node in Pisces, it's kind of like we're being drawn towards, on a collective level, we're drawn towards the Pisces energy versus stepping away from Virgo. And so Virgo being highly, um, focused on on facts and reality and practicality and things like that or focus too much on almost like judgment you know virgo just by itself the downside of it if it's used in a in a challenging way would be being too judgmental or too critical too over like overly uh standard like having high standards 
over analyzing and things like that. Um, while Pisces is the complete opposite, where it's more the greater scale of things, it's more the visions, more the spirituality, something that is intangible. And so the North Node in Pisces can definitely bring a lot more spirituality, definitely devotions to greater causes, devotions to the greater good, devotions to um, spirituality, even um, even like service to charities and, and things like that. So there's leaning more towards that, which is great. Too much into it, you know, as I talked before, too much into the North that we can lead to addiction could lead into, you know, in Pisces in this case would be leading to illusion, idealism, you know, unrealistic, like not seeing things for what they truly are. That's where you are a step too far away from Virgo because you don't see the reality of things anymore. So that's where balance between the two needs to be found. So that's this next chapter for the next 18 months. This is what Pisces and Virgo will be teaching us for the next, um, from November and onwards. onwards. After that, on in December, December is the last Mercury retrograde on December 13th until January 2nd. This one in Sagittarius. And then we also have Mars in Sagittarius at the end of the year on December 27th. And then we'll move on to the next year. So finishing with Mars in Sagittarius. Mars in Sagittarius is focused on exploration, wanting to try new things. Um, wanting to explore the world, have a different perspective, and things like that. So that will conclude us for the year of 2023. I think overall, if we recap everything, it seems like we have you know, a little bit of a slow start of the year. You can use the beginning of January to kind of reassess your goals and ambitions and intentions and plans for 2023 overall. And then after that, especially if you're in business, that would be the time to, to do so. Um, then after that, mid-January, that's when we can really move forward. There's lots of new chapters in January, like new responsibilities that are kicking in with Saturn moving into a different sign. Um, February be, being really good for relationships, art, creativity, idealism, and things like that. And then... And April is the big year where we have the actual new year. So it's like, okay, now you're ready to take action. You know, it's spring and, and you know, it's like starting, the, like being rebirth, you know, like starting a new, starting a new chapter, really. That's what it's all about. And so taking action and all of that, that's really when we are moving forward. So Aries is big on that. Then there's a bit of questioning, I would say, at the end of the summer. So it's like kind of eh, like a need to reassess a few things, especially with relationships and the Venus retrograde towards the end of the summer. And there's always this period at the end of the summer where it's like, we're just about to, you know, summertime is always like, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of parties, like you're doing a lot of things, but then we're going into the fall and it's like, okay, now you have to get back into the routine. And it's right around the time that we step into Virgo season. And Virgo season, by the way, hits mid-September, not August, as tropical astrology lets you to believe. So that's where the real routine actually comes around, like mid-September. And so summer is not really over until mid-September for us anyway that are um, experiencing sidereal astrology. And so, yeah, end of, end of summer, there's always a little bit of re-questioning things and putting things back on track before we step into the fall and we get ready for the winter. 
And in the winter, there's a lot of reassessing, readjusting, um, hibernating, you know, it's kind of the time to like lay the foundation before starting again in the spring. So coming from a seasonal perspective, that's what the year looks like, but astrology is kind of supporting that throughout the transits. And in October, that's when we have the big eclipse season going on. So there's obviously some transformation happening in this time before we go into the winter. And then again, there's another shift of energy when the nodes switch into the axis of Pisces and Virgo and we start a new chapter of transformation before we step into the next year. So that recaps our year of 2023, my friends. I'm so grateful for everyone who joined in live. Thank you so much for interacting and being here with me. I'll invite you to stay after if you want to chat and ask any questions. You are more than welcome to. I would love to connect with you. And also, and yeah, I will wish you a beautiful 2023, my friends. Let me just stop recording.